All right, testing one, two, testing one, two, three. Um, yeah, cool. What's up, everybody? Uh, my name is Dorian Wallace, and this is just kind of an introductory uh, episode of um, a podcast that I'm starting. Uh, I've been wanting to do one for a long time, um, just about shit that I'm interested in. And um, yeah, uh, sounds sounds kind of vague if you don't know me. Um, if you do know me, it makes a lot of sense. I, I'm into a lot of things and I like to I like to just talk and communicate with um, with my fellow human beings. Uh, but just a little bit of an introduction on who I am and, and what I do and, and uh, why this might be an interesting podcast to check out further episodes on as it goes along. Um, <laughs> so first and foremost, I am, uh, I'm a composer and a pianist and a music therapist. And um, that may not seem like the most interesting uh space to to begin any kind of dialogue uh with with lots of people or with lots of subject matters but um but i promise you it is uh so get this um i've been playing piano uh since i was about four years old and i've been composing music uh give or take since i was around around seven years old and i'm now a 36 year old man uh so you know it's been it's been a long time um and uh i'm really primarily a self-taught musician and artist that i come from an incredibly musical family uh my Mom is a professional pianist, and my dad is a singer and a composer, uh, specifically in the world of barbershop. Um, you know, my sisters are in a successful barbershop quartet. My younger brother is a percussionist. My brother-in-law is a jazz saxophonist, and um, my wife is a violinist. And, you know, so I've been around music for a really long time. And I, I have had lessons here or there, uh, but uh, for the most part, a lot of it was um, was learning music by ear. And um, yeah. Uh, then regarding, um, I guess, like what kind of music I'm interested in, um, you know, a, a lot of people will say uh, like, hey, I'm, I'm into every music or, you know, I, I like everything. What do you listen to? I listen to everything. I can promise you all that I make uh, an honest attempt to listen to everything, um, you know, uh, but just to give some basic ideas on, on where my um, musical foundations come from. Uh, when I was a younger kid, I was really, really, really uh, blown away by the late, romantic era composers as well as the early 20th century composers so these are artists like Bela Bartok and Igor Stravinsky, Sergei Rachmaninoff, um, Charles Ives, uh, Dmitry Shostakovich, Arnold Schoenberg, 
Um, you know, this, this shit was my jam, uh, for a long time. Um, I also went through a major phase in my, uh, teenage years being interested in metal music, um, you know, in, in various forms of, uh, just more of the, the extreme side of, of rock music. So, you know, I went to a lot of punk rock shows and a lot of death metal shows and, um, was in a band, uh, for a long time and um you know so that was a very informative uh period of my life um but it expanded uh because i eventually did go to college for music composition and while i was there um really began to realize that uh you know i'd been improvising my entire life uh but in the formal academic world um of music improvisation is not uh not as coherent of a um of an outlook on how to express oneself and so uh yeah um i just really started to fall into jazz music and and funk music and you know reggae and and all of uh the musical forms that really uh grew out of out of the American blues tradition um, and just got deeper and deeper into improvised music. And, um, you know, that eventually led to being really into hip hop music and, and all of these sorts of things. And so anyways, uh, moral of the story is that's like a really brief overview of that. I really like a lot of shit and um, there are a lot of people, a lot of artists that um, I've met over my career as a composer and as a musician, uh, performing musician, that were are, are just uh, have a lot of really, really great perspectives. Um, and so I'll be having uh, having some friends on, having some colleagues on. Uh, some you may have heard of, some you may have not, uh, but it's really just to shoot the shit. Um, and talk about anything from mundane concepts to really, really deep existential issues. Um, so yeah, so to expand on to that, uh, you know, so I, I'm, I'm a relatively eclectic uh, composer and pianistically tend to float around, float around improvised music. Um, but something that adds a little bit of examination um, into all of this is, <clears throat> so I come from a working class background. And now keep in mind, I never saw myself as a member of the working class necessarily um, when I was there because their class consciousness is a, is a major issue. Um, it's a major, major issue that needs to be expanded upon and explored and, and all these sorts of things. But um, basically, uh, you know, to, to, to put it this way, the majority, the majority of the friends that I grew up with um, 
never went to college and never got a degree. Um, a lot of them went to work uh, in various other forms of labor, uh, whether it be factory work or warehouse work or restaurant work. Um, and uh, at least at, at the time of recording this podcast, I've had at least um, seven friends die uh, in their 20s due to heroin addiction. Um, and so, you know, all of that to say that uh, I never actually finished my degree in music composition at Kent State. I ended up dropping out and I joined uh, joined the army. And that's a whole other world, but uh, it was really through the world um, through the lens of, of becoming a member of the U.S. military, um, I started to meet a lot of different kinds of people, um, you know, from various walks of life, um, hung out with a lot of, uh, a lot of dudes that were former gang bangers in various inner city spaces, uh, hung out with a Lot, a lot of hillbillies, a lot of people who grew up on a farm, um, you know, hung out with people who were cops uh, or came from a law enforcement family. Um, you know, just got to meet a lot of differing people from a lot of differing backgrounds. Um, and the other major transition that took place during the army years uh, was I, I had actually come into the military as um, as a conservative Republican and really started to transition uh, the awareness that I was actually more aligned with, with the quote-unquote libertarian right um, while being a member of the military, mostly because I uh, started to realize um, the real human consequences of war and uh, the real human consequences of American imperialism. And all of this uh, really started to change even further when I really realized that I actually wasn't conservative at all. Um, and came to realize that I am actually a socialist. And, um, you know, to get into the specifics of what kind of socialist, that's kind of an always transitioning, always shifting and growing experience. But, uh, you know, to really summarize, I tend to be uh, some synthesis of anarchist and Marxist, uh, as well as um, an advocate for social democratic policies and uh, am willing to organize with people from all over the spectrum. Um, but another major shift that took place uh, was the killing, uh, I'll, I'll call it the murder of Michael Brown and um, by police officer Darren Wilson. And this was an eye-opening experience for a lot of reasons. Uh, 
the first of which was, um, to me, it was completely clear that what had taken place was at at work or at least uh, a, a an accident um but at worst a, a murder a calculated murder and um just really realizing that there was no accountability for the police officers involved um but what became even more apparent was the horrific justifications that I began to really notice amongst my uh, conservative upbringing on a lot of uh, basically a lot of the takes that um, people that I had known and loved uh, were taking the side of the of the oppressor and um, the way I've been describing it for a long time and will continue to describe it is it's embarrassing that it took me that long to realize the advantages uh, that my skin color and my gender presentation and my sex and all of these factors it began to really become insightful uh, what the concept of privilege and oppression really is. And it's embarrassing that it took so long to realize it, but it, be, it began a transition of, okay, I have a modest platform as a composer and a performer. It is small. Uh, it tends to exist in the contemporary classical and or jazz world. Um, but I still have a social media following. I still have people that come to my concerts. And I have a moral obligation to use my platform for social change. So both of these factors uh, really began to become a shift in the way that I was approaching music. Um, music became a spiritual practice as well as a communication, um, a communi communication medium to express larger ideas, uh, something bigger than what language itself can utilize. And uh, to get into a little bit deeper, it also started to change my priorities. Um, a lot of musicians get into this mindset that music is the only way in which we can make money. In part due to the working class background that I never really realized was a working class background. Um, and in part with the realization uh, of working in the US Army, and in part with the realization that music is more important than just a means of income. Um, I eventually uh, added on to this career trajectory um, 
the path to getting a degree uh, in, in music therapy. And um, yeah, so a little bit about, you know, what the fuck music therapy is. Uh, well, the, the, the really short version is uh, I had the realization that I needed to be responsible with music. I could not just be a mass, but masturbatory experience of making music for myself and to express myself, though that's still very much a part of music making. But it had to be doing something to benefit others as well. Um, so uh, the way that music therapy is defined is music therapy is the clinical and evidence-based use of music interventions to accomplish individualized goals within a therapeutic relationship by a board-certified music therapist. Music therapy can be practiced individually or in groups, often in collaboration with other therapies, treatments, or pharmaceuticals. Music therapy involves listening to, reflecting on, and creating music with the goals of improving a person's health and well-being. Immersion in music can support people in more easily expressing themselves, uncovering and managing complex emotions, strengthening and attaining emotional intelligence and release. Uh, anyone can benefit from music therapy, but I specialize in treating people who are experiencing the following anxiety or depression, grief or trauma, difficulty sleeping, focusing, burnout, and secular spirituality. Um, which I actually don't even know if I agree with that anymore. <laughs> I just realized that's something I read. Okay, yeah, that's something I read that I wrote a long time ago and I need to change on my website uh, because um, the real areas that uh, I really began to put my focus on is uh, facing um, facing work, uh, doing, doing work with activists uh, and, and political radicals who are facing burnout, um, working with anti-war veterans or uh, conscientious objectors or anti-war service members, um, especially people suffering with PTSD or um, traumatic brain injury. Uh, I'm also very intrigued with exit counseling, which is a form of therapy uh, to help individuals who were involved or are involved with cults or hate groups or insular communities or, or uh, experiencing religious disaffiliation. Um, and I also do a lot of help within uh, the irreligious communities. Uh, so people who may identify as atheists or agnostics or humanists. Um, yeah, and, you know, Music therapy has really changed a lot of the ways that I have started to view the use of music and, and the impacts of music. You know, first and foremost, uh, music has been a part of the human experience since the Paleolithic era. The moment we were making a sound with our mouth that was beyond an innate 
animalistic sound, but something to express something deeper or larger. That is really when we started singing. And the moment we became conscious, consciously aware of making rhythm, you know, with our hand maybe hitting a stone or hearing sticks clap together, uh, we became aware of rhythm. And so we really became musical beings uh, around the same time. We were developing language and we were developing abstract concepts like mathematics and and dance and and all of this so that's one factor another factor is just the realization that in a capitalist system we do not uh really engage with the left hemisphere of our brain um as well, sorry, I fucked that up. We engage almost solely with the left hemisphere, which is the the language center of the brain. Um, Whereas we do not engage with uh, the right hemisphere nearly as much, which is where um, more abstract concepts come from. And so music therapy is a way to really, um, with intention, engage with the other hemisphere of the brain that we often leave dormant and unfulfilled, uh, especially in a, in a capitalist system. Um, so, uh, I guess just to kind of finalize this music therapy segment, um, there is, uh, two areas that um, I'm actually working on papers on right now, and I'm also meeting a lot of really cool people through, but uh, the first is applying left-wing radical politics, uh, political theory of anarchism and Marxism uh, through a therapeutic lens, through a musical therapeutic lens, um, as a way to start to reformat not only the way we engage with a client um, one-on-one, but in fact, the way we engage with society as a whole and the culture as a whole. Um, And I can get into all of this much later. Um, But the other area is I have a particular interest in uh, engaging with members or people afflicted by by far-right ideas, uh, you know, paleoconservatism, fascism, Nazism, all of these things. Uh, so the other paper I'm working on, uh, the working title right now, is called Music Therapy as an Anti-Fascism. And it's the beginning of a dialogue uh, exploring the use of hate music and uh, fascistic ideas and how people fall victim to these ideas and how we can utilize music therapy in a productive way to a help 
fascists leave fascist groups and B, uh, become accountable for any actions that they may have participated in. And, you know, the idea is that this podcast is going to get deeper and deeper into all of this stuff. Uh, so this is really just an introduction, um, you know, to, to get a little, um, to, to keep moving on. Uh, there's also um, a lot of interest in, in labor organizing, um, specifically some of the work happening within music worker organizing. Um, so I'm a member of the New Music Organizing Caucus, which is a contemporary classical music uh, caucus that um, is engaged with labor rights uh, within the new music scene. Um, you know, new music for those that are not quite hip to the term um, is basically the term we use for uh, contemporary classical music. So people who are writing music that is in the tradition of European classical music, or at least is coming from that lineage in some way, shape or form, but the contemporary uh, realm of it or the, the, the contemporary existence. And really, uh, finding camaraderie and solidarity with our fellow comrades across the scene. Um, but that being said, uh, there are also, um, there's the Music Workers Alliance, which is a music workers center uh, here in New York City, um, which I don't know if I emphasized, I live in New York. Um, and then uh, there's also the Union of music, music Workers, and I, I can't talk. The Union of Musicians and Allied Workers, uh, which is doing really, really interesting work on more uh, progressive and a bit more radical than the traditional American Federation of Musicians. Uh, but then there is also the AFM Local 802, which I'm a member of, and really working uh, to add more um, more praxi and 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 um, solidarity oriented. Uh, training and 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 coalition amongst music workers uh so there's a lot of people within that field of work uh that i'm really interested in having on and coming in and shooting the shit and talking about all of this uh these sorts of matters um in, a, in an organic you know chill way um but uh yeah uh <clears throat> There's also some overlap with the labor movement as a whole. Uh, so there are a lot of other laborers who um, will definitely be coming on uh, to talk about things. Um, you know, to sort of get into the last area, um, I'm really interested in uh, philosophy, and you know, I'm not a philosopher myself, but I, I love reading and learning philosophy. Um, you know, specifically, uh, really into existentialism, humanism, Buddhism, Marxism, anarchism, social ecology, um, postmodernism. These are all various schools of thought that uh, I, I find some kinship or some interest, and so I. Uh, there will definitely be some some philosophical discussions and conversations um, uh, coming from all of this. And 
<clears throat> last but not least uh you know I, i'm a i'm a big fucking nerd so like um i'm gonna have people just talking about uh science fiction and horror movies and comic books and all that kind of stuff uh i, I love that world um I, you know i just i said last but not least but also meditation very interested in meditation um which seems completely random to say uh after saying science fiction and horror but whatever um so yeah so to 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 conclude this introduction ramble uh that i um am putting out into the the interwebs um is that uh there's a lot of areas of interest uh a lot, lot of areas um that that lot, lots of areas that i find interesting and um i've had the the luxury of getting to know and meeting so many people um involved in uh these um these various spaces uh that i i just think it's it's uh you know it's worth it to begin uh having the discussion um of like all right like i'm gonna have a fucking podcast and just bring people on to shoot the shit because uh, there's a lot of lots of areas of interest and lots of conversations that can definitely take place and um you know it's uh it's look looking forward to to using this as a home base to to talk about some some things that uh that i really do think will benefit the world uh to have these conversations out there um and so last but not least uh I am not using Patreon, at least at this point. Um, I actually am part of a musician's co-op, uh, Ampled, which is really a musician's version of Patreon, uh, but it's collectively owned. Um, Patreon will take a cut um, from the artists, from the, the content creators, um, and there's a tier program, which can be a little complicated for the creators as well as um the supporters uh ampled is a collectively organized um platform and it uh there are no tiers it is just simply uh whatever you feel you can donate there's a minimum of three dollars uh but you can donate three dollars a month um to help support this uh show and support this work but if you go to www.ample.com slash artist slash dorian wallace again that's www.ample.com slash artist slash dorian wallace um it'll be a, a good um a, a good place to uh to you know throw any any extra money you might have um you know the, the way i think about it um is that $3 a month um, really comes to $36 a year, um, which is one $20 bill, one $10 bill, and one $5 bill, and one $1 bill. Uh, so 
that is uh, very, very little money in the grand scheme of it. And so if that's something you can afford, um, you know, uh, just for $3 a month um, or more or more, you know, like, you know, I'm not going to complain about more than that. But uh, I do ask uh, just for any support that you may be able to offer uh, so that I can really put uh, more time and effort and focus into this podcast and really grow this into something, um, something meaningful for, uh, for a lot of people. So um, again, uh, my name is Dorian Wallace and this show is called Dorian's Mode. Um, Check me out at www.dorianwallace.com and I'll catch you all later. Peace.